Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I have a huge smile from editing this podcast that you're about to listen to. Not only are we talking about one of my favorite topics, the influencer marketing industry, but I'm doing it with one of my favorite people and one of my longest friends who's done exactly the same job I've done, creating content on the internet for about a decade. A lot of people ask me how I'm able to travel the world so often, how I'm able to learn all of these languages. And the truth is, is that I found a way to curate and create my dream job simply by learning how to document stories, editing it, posting it consistently, growing an audience, having brand deals, having products, building companies, so on and so forth. And the thing about influencer marketing is that it's impossible to avoid these days. Whether you're scrolling on Instagram or you're binging TikTok or you're hanging out with your two-year-old niece who's watching some YouTube channel from Russia, we are consuming content made by creators more than ever before. But the reality is not many people know what it is to be a content creator. And that's why I wanted to have one of my dear friends, Camden Scott or Cammy Scott on the internet, who's done the same exact career I've done for 10 years, come on to today's episode. Yeah, there's this disconnect where we don't see it as a career. And that takes it back to like not wanting to introduce myself as an influencer because people don't see it as a career. And because they don't see it as a career, they don't accept you making money off of it. And they get annoyed whenever... It's a brand deal. Cami's the kind of friend who I've spent hours talking about failed relationships or family dramas or how to navigate finances. But then we also dive into career strategies. We help each other grow and evolve. And there's really a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood when it comes to nurturing friendships like the one I have with Cami. But the point of today's conversation is, is to kind of unveil a lot of what's underneath the inner workings of the ever elusive influencer marketing career. Whether you're an aspiring content creator, you've been in the game for a little bit, but you want to take your content to the next level, or you have no idea what I am talking about when I say the influencer marketing industry, you're going to learn a lot in this episode. Trust me, you're going to want to take notes. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. sweet pea. I feel like I haven't seen your face in so long. Other than internet stuff, obviously. I see you every day, but. I know. It's so good when, you know, I see your face too on the internet, but it's like such a different thing to truly be friends and have a friendship that's now going on like three years, four years. Longer. Well, five years. It's been five years because it's on the anniversary of when I got shot. Yes, exactly. Well, I was like, are we considering knowing who each other is being friends because we didn't then actually meet until I don't know a couple months after not long after you were still like recovering from 
the bullet in your back. I can't believe it's been five years of our like friendship. I know. Look at us go. <laughs> so a little backstory on how we actually became friends. Five years ago, Cammy was launching her new blog. And part of the launch strategy was hosting an event where she would invite badass women to speak on a panel. I was honored to be considered as one of those panelists. However, at the same time, I was in Brazil recovering because I had just gotten shot. So I had to send an email to her manager, awkward, and the subject line was like, I got shot, can't make it. And then I slid into Cammy's DMs to say, hey baby girl, I hope you have an amazing event. I'm so sorry I won't be there, but when I get back to the States, let's grab a coffee and catch up so I can actually get to know you. Because if you're coordinating an event like this, clearly you're somebody that I wanna get to know. A coffee turns into a lunch, which turns into weekend plans, which turns into introducing each other to each other's friends. It was one of those true friendships where you talk about life in its entirety, not just work. We didn't even talk about work, but then when we did talk about work, that's when things really got exciting. I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, this episode, we're gonna make the shape. There are so many different things that we could talk about from creating from being a businesswoman from sexuality like let's just get into it let's do it all I would love for you to briefly just introduce yourself and talk about how you ended up being a content creator now going on what 10 years as well who, who knows I have no concept of time what what were you doing before creating content it was so funny I was actually talking about this last night we are in Palm Springs right now with uh, I almost said my girlfriend, my fiance's friends for like, uh-huh. I don't know, for a work week. So it's really fun. Everyone's like doing their own thing and working. And we were, everyone was talking about like the ups and downs of different jobs. And I was like, I've never truly worked at a company and worked for other people. Briefly, I worked at Nordstrom through college just trying to, trying to survive. And then I worked for this company called mod cloth as a, I'm doing air quotes stylist, because I basically would just dress the mannequins for the images you would see on the website and like place orders for the senior stylist. And then that was my job experience other than working for myself. And I always say it was just a kind of a happy accident. It was during the time where I, I think there's a lot of kids growing up today who are like, I want to be a content creator, but that wasn't a job in my mind growing up. It wasn't something that ever could be. And my, my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, and I started making videos together. I had like a small following on Tumblr, throwback to Tumblr days and Instagram and just did it for fun. And then realized that it worked and that I really liked it. And that there was somewhere to go with this, but it was just, it really just the cards fell in place. It wasn't something that I like sought after. What were you studying in college? I went to school for communications. I, well, my freshman year, I was going for fashion, merchandising and marketing. I always liked very visual things growing up there. It always just changed to a different kind of design. It was like, I want to be an interior decorator. I want to be a hairstylist for a minute because my mom is, and there's always some kind of design element. And then I realized that I wanted to be more broad at school. And I think the lessons you really learn, if you go to college, unless you're studying a very specific field, it's more about the experiences. And I realized that communications is going to serve me every day in work, out of work, just in life. And I'm so glad I did that transfer schools. And I loved college, not really the social aspect. I was 
pretty closeted most of college and just so insecure, but I feel like I really did learn so much. And every day something happens where I have a realization of like, wow, I learned that in this class or that class. So I, I love the experience I got. And I am a big advocate on like, don't go to school if you don't want to, because you don't actually need it. And the way the world is now, you need like 10 degrees for it to actually matter that unless you really need it for your passion and your career, life experiences is where it's at. Totally. And our career is completely learned. Like how mm-hmm. much self-teaching do you think was a part of the process? Give me a percentage. hundred. I'm like a hundred percent. It's like camera skills, editing skills, podcasting, all of this. Yeah. You Googled or just like learned through trial and error. Yeah. I mean, I, that's such an interesting point that I have not thought of until you said that, that there's not a single thing that I didn't have to go seek out and figure out on my own. Even today I'll be editing and I'm like, how do I make the transition move from the left to the right? And I'm not great at editing, but you just figure it out. You totally do. How insane. It's like little Cammy would have had no idea. Same, by the way, like <laughs> went to college, didn't think I was going to be doing this. What did you imagine yourself doing in those college years? Do you remember? I've always been a person who does better when I let life happen and not kind of like try to stick to a plan or think like, oh, I'm building towards this thing. Anytime I do that, it kind of crumbles. I definitely have to kind of look at what the universe is trying to give to me and lean into it and like stay prepared, stay on top of your shit, not just like lay back and be like, life will work out. Really staying curious and following your things and then you're ready for opportunities. But Yeah. I don't know. I really do think for a long time, I was like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to be a stylist for celebrities. And I'm so glad that that's not what happened, but that was definitely what I thought was going to happen for years and years. And then I don't know if I had a thought when I switched to having majoring in communications, what that meant, which is funny. I'm like, what, what did I think was going to happen with that degree? I have no idea. (laughs) That's a good, like anything goes degree. I remember a lot of my friends were in communications too, and I was considering doing it. And then I'm like, well, I know how to communicate. Let me do business. I already have this. No, that was smart. My mom was like begging me to like at least minor in business. And she was right. I probably should have. It would have been very beneficial. And communications is seen as like the blow off kind of degree because a lot of athletes do it just to because I have to pick something. Yeah. But I think if you, if you go into it being like, I want to get everything I can out of this. Like, even though I did take business classes, it's not like the influencer industry was around back then. So I always joke that I want to be a professor teaching the, the experience that we've lived for the last decade. Like I would love to be a professor of the media transformation that's led to hundreds and thousands and millions of people to create their living offline. Like, let's go to the content of it all. So you started the channel, which I think is so bold and ballsy. Wait, I'm so stuck on that. That is a genius idea. What being a professor for this? That's I love this. How is that not a thing? And there's so many, like I took marketing classes, but it was like 
newspapers. Like, no, that's genius. I I think we need like a moment. Let's let's do it. Right. Acknowledge how great that is. I think so many, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I was like, no, 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 you're totally cool. This is in my retirement plan. I'm like still getting the research piece of it. it. Like we're still living in it. I'm still doing this. And I think it's really cool to even have this podcast because this is a totally new medium Mm -hmm. that I had never done before. And I would pick your brain on it because you started your podcast not too long ago. It's been like a year now, Mm -hmm. a little over a year. Yeah. Two years. years. Insane. Yeah. I remember I was interviewed on that, which is so cool. The uneducated podcast. I remember us talking about you doing a podcast before I launched mine. I was like, I want to do a podcast. You're like, I want to do a podcast. And we were talking, we were like hashing it all out and they were very similar, like drives and motivations for it. I know. And then I, it took me two years, but alas, here we are. And I'm finally getting a groove with it. There's so many challenges though. Like, yeah whole new world. Like the crazy part about your journey that I want to highlight. So you started making videos with your ex-girlfriend at the time. You Mm -hmm. totally turned your personal life into your business, which I think is so scary. Mm -hmm. I've done it once. I can't say that it was a mistake, but I can't say that it was right either. (laughs) And let's just talk about that because, you know, we're going through our lives as it is. Personal life is is hard to navigate. But when you put it on a platform with hundreds and thousands of people, Mm -hmm. it's like the world, you're giving them access to judge your life as you're figuring it out like that's not just a professional uh bump in the road when when shit hits the fan that's a personal life-changing moment too like how did you even navigate the end of that era yeah I mean I I think when I went into it I didn't I didn't think about what coming out the other side meant I didn't think about what it would feel like to have all of these people feel entitled to know the inner workings of a relationship because you choose to share a glimpse of it online. I wasn't really like prepared for how invested people got. And then that was really shown when things ended and it was tough. It was a really weird thing to navigate. I had just started my own YouTube channel, luckily, because I think it would have been hard to pick up and start post breakup and post business relationship breakup as well. I think that added such a whole other element to it. Um, I didn't know how to navigate it. I think it's the best answer. I really just went with the flow and learned that I could not please everyone. And beyond that, I couldn't even please the same person every day. And no matter what I did, people were going to fit it into their narrative they had of me. And that I couldn't change people's perception of who I am. I had to just enjoy myself, like myself, and feel confident and good about my decisions and what I was doing. And then I wouldn't care. And it was just like, oh, they misinterpret this and think I'm doing this and being awful. That's on them. If I was questioning myself, those things would hit harder. So I I really just tried to discover who I was and feel good about who I was and the decisions I was making. And I spent a lot of time separating myself and my brand online from my personal life, which then felt really inauthentic. It didn't feel like me. I felt like I was trying too hard to hide parts of myself. And at the end of the day, it's like, what you see is what you get. I'm going to overshare. That's what I feel good doing. That's why I started sharing my life online. It's not me to like keep a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm personal. I don't share everything, but that's what's fun about it, being your authentic self online. So I feel like for a long time, it was like rejecting everything that created my online career. And now I'm falling back into 
no, you know what? When you feel good about yourself, you can share your relationship, let people judge how they want to judge. If they get too invested, I don't have control over that. And just, just doing my career for myself instead of other people. That was such a long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's true. It's, I think those are life things for anybody going through anything tough, especially when there's judgment. Yeah. But for us with public lives, it's like magnifying times 20. Yeah. So it's like, you're already going through something tough in your life. And then the world feels like they can say stuff mm-hmm. about it. So it's not easy. And this is like an up and down road, right? Like this is what it is to have a public life and a career tied to your life, which we've talked about a lot because I always kind of juggle back and forth of like, what do I want to share? Having had my experience with a channel with an ex and then that also blowing up in my face. It's like, I'm glad that I did that. I am glad that it happened because I learned, but now it's like moving forward. What is the fine line? Like who is going to show up on my social media who is not. And you're like the bravest person that I know for this, (laughs) giving you respect. It's so much props. And I guess the people who stick around, they're really there for Mm -hmm. you because it doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter what stage of life that you've gone through They're They're there. There's a reason why you have a huge following for so many years. Yeah. I think people enjoy being like, oh, you're not always perfect. And you're not even trying to show like, oh, I'm this flawless human being online. And I don't mean that in a sense of editing your photos, but showing like the gritty stuff of I dated the wrong person and y'all knew it before I did. And that's okay. Cause I grew from it. And some people wouldn't follow me because they didn't want to see that relationship and that's okay. But that was a journey I had experienced and then not, and I'm sure you've experienced this a lot, but trying not to justify and explain the truth of a situation. It's really hard when people get like a little hearsay here. She said, she said, or he said, she said, it's hard. They, and they don't want the they truth. They live for that. They love they it the drama. and live for it. No. And of course, mm-hmm. like I haven't said anything. And we've talked about that too, where I'm like, do I say something? It's like, Nah, because for what? It's hard. It's hard when people are wrong about your character, wrong about your heart, wrong about the details of something or might side with someone where you're like, if you guys only knew the truth, but you, again, it goes back to like, you knowing your truth and people typically eventually will see that. And if they don't, that's okay. They don't know you. You are entertainment to them. They are consuming you as their entertainment, but you are a person, you aren't a TV show. You're a living, breathing human being putting your life out there that if they want to view you as entertainment, cool. You'll be whatever you want, the drama, the whatever chaos, but then you're good. You know who you are. All right, let's get into these Not Your Average Joe takeaways because honey, there are a lot in this episode. If you've caught on by now from our conversation, as a creator, your personal life is often the subject of not only ridicule, but it's how you make your living. Obviously, there are tons of different verticals of how you can become a creator. You can be an education creator. You can be a skit maker. You can be a language creator. You really can choose your niche because there's an audience out there for everyone. However, the content that Kimmy and I are specifically referring to is lifestyle content. It's the kind of career where we've essentially documented our lives and packaged those into stories, whether we're talking about Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube videos, 
where people then have a glimpse at our lives. We're smart women, we try to keep a distance, but because we started these careers 10 years ago, it's really hard to have the understanding and the wisdom of what something you put on the internet when you're 18 will do for the rest of your life. Because the more you do this public kind of career, the more you realize anything that you post is indirectly giving people permission to comment or judge or make assumptions about your life. But the truth is when the camera's not rolling, something could be completely different on the other side. And the audience will never have a clue. I'm not saying that creators are out here just lying, but I do think that influencers create personas to stand behind because it's a brand. And at the end of the day, when your audience craves a specific kind of content, you deliver that content because that is how you make your living. So it's tricky. And the takeaway here is to not take everything that you see on the internet that influencers are creating at face value, because being on the other end of the lens, I know that there's so much that people don't see. And for all the creators out there, if you know that your content speaks volumes to your truth, keep doing it because the right people are gonna stick around and the audience who's not interested in your content will drift away, but maybe that's not the audience for you anyways. Plus, if we've learned anything from nature, it's that you need to prune the dead leaves off of plants for beautiful new ones to grow. It's so fascinating, the fact that you just said they see you as entertainment, like they see us as something to be consumed. How trippy is that? Yeah, you're a product. You're, you are a product to them. Like anyone on social media, that's just like they would express that about any TV show that they're watching that's fully scripted. You are that to them, but it's weird because it's not scripted. I mean, of course, people online do skits and little things like that, but the people who are sharing like the inner workings of their life in very intimate moments, yeah, it's crazy. Insane. So let's talk about now the, I mean, shit, what do we, what, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the business side. <laughs> like we've done this long enough to know that it's twisted and turned. So if somebody had never heard of the influencer marketing world and they were interested to getting into it, what would you say to them? Like, what would you explain to them as the day-to-day -day job description? What do you do every day? Mm, that's a great question. I think I've always explained working for yourself, and this probably applies to anything, not just being a content creator. You are the janitor, the CEO, and everything in between. I think people see this career as like this beautiful, glamorous thing. You're just traveling the world for free, getting free PR packages, which you have to pay taxes on, by the way, if anyone didn't know that. But it's, it's not all like this, like glitter and gold. It is gritty work. You have to care about it 10,000 times more than you would any corporate job. And it's worth it. To me, it's worth it. I love working for myself, but I think people see it as easier or more simplified than your typical nine to five. I, I try to treat this job like a nine to five. I try to not work on the weekends. I try to wake up early and get started. I try to cut my day off at the end. I think finding that balance took me years to do. I was like, ah, I can go and get drunk on a Wednesday and not work Thursday and no one's going to care. And I realized that didn't work for me. And I realized that I care and you have to create structure for yourself. You don't have a boss in your ear being like, Hey, did you meet this deadline? You have to care. And I think, especially with this new wave of these really young kids getting really big on the internet really quick. And the people they have to look up to are also really young. Um, Taryn and I were watching the Hype House show on Netflix. And the guy who's like the dad of the house is 
22. It's like these kids need some guidance. And that's the hardest part about this. You are working your ass off 10,000 times harder than you ever would in any other job. And at the end of the day, you have to hold yourself accountable. And that takes so much discipline that I don't think a lot of people would have or would want to have. How do you find the discipline? Trial and error. I think making a lot of mistakes and getting overwhelmed that you're like, I have 20 deadlines. I'm so busy. And then you realize you didn't do anything for the past two weeks, really creating like that me right now. I mean, we all do it and it's hard. Hey, I gotta go. <laughs> you're like, Oh, <laughs> getting called out. It's also hard though, because it's a creative field and you can't always force that creativity. Um, so yeah, for me, it was just trial and error learning that, okay, I don't have it in me to take videos or pictures of myself. I'm not feeling good today. So this is a day I'm going to edit my stuff. I always try to have balance in that, that if I want to stay in my pajamas all day, okay, we're doing emails today. We're editing. We're going to a coffee shop and just planning stuff out. There's always some side of it. Like you, you pick your job for the day, you wear a different hat, which, um, I always think it's funny that if you say you're an influencer or content creator, people don't take you as seriously. So I've always joked that I'm just going to pick a different job that I do. When I, if someone's like, Oh, what do you do for work? I'm an editor. Instant respect. I'm a producer. I'm an actor. <laughs> Dude, in Ubers in LA, when I was living in LA and I would take Ubers, I would be like, oh, I'm an editor. Cause I like didn't have the energy to explain. Like, mm-hmm. I'm an editor, I'm a producer, I'm a host. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. So what's your content mix right now? Because there's no such thing as staying on one platform. We talk about this all the yeah. time. Like everything we're talking about now. It's good because we always have these like quarterly check-ins. I love it. Because we're we're these people. What are you producing weekly? Do you have a schedule? What's the breakdown? Yeah, I think for this year, I'm really trying to focus on short form video. I mean, because the entire internet social media world is, you don't really have a choice right now. Um, it's I find it really difficult. And maybe you have advice here on balancing what's working right now on the internet and doing that because it works and you know it's going to get pumped out to your audience and doing what works for you. I can never hit that balance. As soon as I'm like, oh, I, I like posting pictures and the Instagram's like, well, we're not going to share your pictures anymore. You have to turn them into videos. It's hard to differentiate what to do. And who knows in a week, they could be like videos out pictures back in. Um, mm-hmm. but I think Instagram's always my main platform. I, I love hate relationship with it for sure, but I am starting to get excited again about making content. I think the challenge of turning what I love into short form video has been fun after I rejected it for a year. Um, yeah, I, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. I think that's probably like 50% of my focus right now is on short form and then probably 25 on long form YouTube and 25 just pictures. So are you posting weekly on YouTube? Because YouTube was the, the main bread and butter for so many years. Yeah. When did that shift? Yeah. I was, I just had a realization recently that like, you don't really hear about people becoming really successful on the internet strictly from YouTube anymore. I can't remember the last person, unless you're an extremely niche person doing like 
cooking videos or something, slime videos, I don't know, whatever's in right now, it's not really happening. It is people who have had a long time following or have it somewhere else and people trickling over. But even that, I think it's so hard to get people to come to YouTube. So I'm definitely working towards weekly videos still. I think it's a nice way to get a deeper look into life when people are consuming such short content. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram stories. Those are gone in a day. Most of my audience is not consistently watching my stories every single day. So I'm kind of turning my YouTube videos into long form Instagram stories, just like very raw, real glimpse into my life where I have a little bit more creativity with editing and making it a little prettier and fun. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to stay consistent on YouTube for the meantime, but I'm not really seeing a lot of value in it. It's more like maintaining at this point. This is just the tip of the iceberg. These are the kinds of questions that Cami and I love asking each other because it's so hard to have these very transparent conversations with other content creators the truth is our careers go up and down more than the stock market these days and let me tell you something the not your average takeaway here is be nimble be flexible be willing to adapt and change a few years ago no one considered tiktok as an actual career and now the only thing people want is short-form content on a positive note it's exciting because no day is ever the same but it is a little bit more challenging to find the balance so if anything creating content that has a very strong core message is the key because if you're following your true essence and your true brand then you're not just chasing the hype you're adapting your content to the platforms that surface and become trendy it's all fun and games when this is just a hobby but how do you manage your career when your finances are as fickle as the views and the algorithm changes after the break, we talk about why influencers and content creators are often mercy to these platforms and their changing and ever-developing technology, and how to stay afloat with those really uncertain conditions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Let's talk about the numbers. So, is it just me or Instagram stories? Like the numbers are so wacky. Like one day it's like 20 times the viewership. And then the next day it's like, uh, did I, did my account get deleted by accident? Because like, where is everybody? Is, is that just me? Not at all. That is everyone across the board at every level of being an influencer. Anyone I've spoken to is so confused so lost. I think we're coming out of probably a year of everyone's numbers extremely plummeting. And now at least for some people, I think are seeing like random upticks, like you said, 
I will, on a random Tuesday, my story views will be two, three times more than they have been average, which is still nowhere near what they used to be. If you look back a year or two ago, but there, I don't know what Instagram is doing over there. I wish these platforms would be a little bit more clear. They say they are, and they say they're sharing what they're pumping out, but there's no way. I think we all, we could do a case study with every person that we know who does this for a career. And it is, there's no formula. There's nothing that you can really stick to, to make it happen. Um, I did hear that they are going to put a lot of focus on stories. So maybe they're trying to pump it out to your top audience more and maybe doing a test of how kind of TikTok works. If enough people see it and stay on it, then they give it to more people and trickling. I don't know. I'm ready for the chronological feed to come back. I want that. I need that. I think that's going to solve all of our problems. It's so funny. This is like water cooler conversation for creators and we don't get this nearly enough, which is is one of the reasons why we became friends Mm -hmm. because everything is so hush hush, right? Like there are two sides of this. It's like the B2B, B2C, like the the consumers or like the audience, the followers, they see us, they see us as entertainment, then we see it as a business. So we're constantly trying to figure it out. Like there are no rules. And I think that's the hardest part about this industry. It's that you're killing it one day and then whatever, for whatever reason, the algorithm changes or you stop posting for a little bit. And because of that, you get buried. And then the next day you have to either start not from yeah. scratch, but you have to start over mm-hmm. or you post a video that took you like three weeks to edit. And because you haven't been posting regularly or because of some random reason, it, it fails. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do you stay motivated? This is something I struggle with. And I got off YouTube for a long time, partially because of that, because yeah, I was same. spending so much time on these videos that I knew had so much value, but also just, I was proud of. And mm-hmm. then it's like, damn, this isn't getting served. What's going on? Yeah. And that hits you emotionally so much because it's, it's so up in the air of you want to trust the numbers The numbers can really help you go. Okay. People don't want to see that. Cool. Now I know I'm going to give them this, but because it's not consistent anymore, we can't depend on those numbers to show us what people want we are then like trying to play the numbers game and hit the algorithm, right? It's a big guessing game now, which it's ridiculous. I mean, what other career is like that, that you're just constantly guessing, wondering if you're good enough, if you just got unlucky with the timing, did I post too early? Do I have any control over this? It is, it's a draining. It's, and, and that's like your creativity too. Like you said, you are so proud of a content that you made and then when it doesn't perform well, it, it can make you second guess everything you're doing. Am I even doing the right career? Am I cut out for this? It's, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> now, here's where things get even more complex. When you're talking about being a content creator, what you're really talking about 99% of the time is a creative person. And most creatives are notoriously known to make very little money and have very little discipline. But when you couple a creative with the career of content creation, you're basically shifting everything because the only way to succeed on the internet is through posting consistently. So now what you're asking is for a creative person to have consistent output of their creativity and that will become their full-time career if done consistently enough. 
But any creative person knows that you can't just turn on the switch of creativity and inspiration. But that's what we have to do if we want a chance of being successful on this platform. At my prime, when I was making three videos a week, I remember having this conversation with myself. It's prioritizing quality or quantity. And the truth of the internet is they prioritize, for the most part, quantity. So quality suffers. I'm curious what you think. Follow the Not Your Average Joe Pod Instagram account and leave a comment there because I want to know what do you guys think is more critical when it comes to creating content? Quality or quantity? When we're chasing these algorithms, sometimes it's easier to just pump out content as opposed to putting our heart into it. But I think where I'm at now is I'd rather spend my time on my pieces instead of just pumping up videos. Because I think that can also backfire in its own way. Because these numbers are not just for our ego, these are attached to our income too, which is something that exactly I have been thinking a lot about I think I'm I'm over it now just because it's like I've been doing this long enough that I know there are going to be good days or bad days. But it's like you could wake up one day with an opportunity that's like a six figure deal in your inbox and it's just a random Wednesday. And then you can go four months without getting anything good. So it's like mm -hmm. either we build our own product services and market those or we're reliant on this what my best friend calls spiky lifestyle. Like if you look at the mm -hmm. graphs of numbers, both of followers and views and finances it's spiky goes up extremely high and like down extremely high what is yeah. your thought on that yeah i think you can't fully depend on it i think that's why if you're getting into this world do not leave your day job just because you got one big deal like you said that's not consistent it's not guaranteed tomorrow next month next year and then we have to diversify our finances, whether that means getting into investing or creating a product and not just doing it for the money, but doing it because you enjoy it and it means something to you. I think that's a balance that we are all trying to figure out and trying to make sure that we have different ways of reaching our communities too. Like, I mean, that's why I initially started my podcast and I mean, YouTube could shut down tomorrow and just, or just say, we're not paying you guys for the ads we run on our video anymore or on your videos anymore. So it's, it, that's terrifying. And I love the, what was it? Spiky, spiky lifestyle. Spiky, spiky <laughs> lifestyle. We're living that spiky lifestyle. It's so true. And I, growing up, I was like, I want to be, a, I'm, no financial advisor, but I was like, I want to be a financial advisor for professional athletes. Cause I noticed that it was a lot of these people who either did, and it's the same thing with social media. It's people who like, didn't have a lot of money growing up, get a ton of money all of the sudden spend, 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 because it's so exciting that you want to match your output with your input in finances. And you can't do that. Like don't live within the means of this month is going to equal my salary for the year. Well, each month will be the same thing. Think of it as this is all I'm going to get for the year and try to space it out that way. I think that's the key. Instead of freaking out, panicking over the numbers, panicking over the income, save, invest. I wish we had finance classes for content creators. I wish we were taught how to invest because a lot of times you get that from your workplace. You get that from your coworkers. You have the water cooler talk and we don't have that. Like I really wish we had like an influencers union. I think it would help us so much to share these thoughts and these fears. And even just like, guys, are your numbers really low? Did this video suck? Was it me? Just being able to have those peers would be incredible. 
and it sucks that we don't have it. This may or may not be not your average Joe. Takeaway number three for this episode, but I do want to say my baby girl has a point. When you're working as a freelancer, whether you're a content creator or not, you're living that spiky financial lifestyle. There are good months, there are bad months. So the thing that I want to leave you all with is live well below your means because maybe you just had a really amazing season of brand deals and content and even TV shows in my case, but you have to hold down the fort because the next opportunity could take a few months to show up. And not to mention that when you do a brand deal, oftentimes people don't pay for two or three months. So you need to be able to cover yourself in order to survive and keep creating. In other words, as a content creator or freelancer, you're probably never gonna take a vacation because you never wanna stop working just in case work doesn't come to you. Welcome to our lives. We kind of, we talked about making it. We talked about like, this is the next big thing, right? Like, because it I is. agree. I stand by that. I really do know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, and then you sent me that Instagram page, Influencer Pay Gap, which was like revolutionary yeah. to me. Because mm-hmm. not only are our numbers up and down as far as like the following and the viewership, but it's the pay discrepancy is so real that like you can have the same exact numbers as someone the same or similar engagement rate and they might be getting paid five times more or less than you and mm-hmm. anyone who's accepting the lower amount is setting the bar so it's going to actually be worse for everyone in the industry yeah because brands are going to be like oh well that person agreed to 3k for this instagram post and they have 500,000 followers so mm-hmm. you have 500,000 followers I'm going to charge you less because like somebody agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so unfair. And then we have, we signed contracts where we're not allowed to speak on how much money we're getting. So it silences us and we can't share that information and see those discrepancies and then nothing changes. So I think it is so important for us to be a little bit more transparent with each other, with content creators, making sure everyone's getting, making sure everyone's fair and equal. But like you said, if I accept something way lower than I should thinking, oh, this is a great deal. They're going to come to you and go, well, Cammy did it for this. And brands will tell you they love being like, yeah, like they accepted less and they have more. It's like, well, I know my worth. Mm -hmm. We're not doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you're like, no, I don't care what they think their value is. They're wrong. (laughs) The other side of it, it's like, we live somewhere in between traditional media Mm -hmm. where we have teams but our managers or agents do a lot of different things. And I've met your manager. She's amazing. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Cause I don't feel like many people realize that our operation, it's mm-hmm. oftentimes not just us, like we're the ones creating it. We're ideating, but you've had a manager for your, for most of your career, right? Yep. Not the same one, but like from same from the start to now. And I've had, I've hired people. I've fired people. I've had, mm-hmm top agencies that fired them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, even that's hard to navigate because it's not like somebody's saying like, here's what I did, Joe, and giving me the playbook. It's all been trial and error. Yeah. And it's, it's confusing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so confusing, but it is so necessary to have a team. I'm definitely trying to get better at delegating work and knowing, knowing what I know, knowing what I'm good at and not trying to wear all of those hats, but it's hard, especially when it's something so personal to you. But I think it is so key to have a manager and your manager should be your biggest fan. They should just be obsessed with the content that you create and want to just then run with it and sell you. It's really scary to sell yourself to brands or say, 
or give them any pushback of like, mm, I actually think for this content, I should be receiving this. That's hard to do. And it's for some reason, not as respected when you are trying to pitch yourself. It is key to have a good manager. Um, I wish I had better advice on finding the right person. I think it's almost like finding the right therapist, trial and error, making sure that you understand each other, that you have similar ethics and morals. For me, at least that's really key, or at least that they understand mine so that they are not trying to push me in a direction of accepting work that isn't in line with who I am and what I want to present online. Um, yeah. Having a team is extremely important in this career and so, in whatever you need help with. I think a lot of people first invest in a photographer or teach their significant other how to be a good photographer, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's whatever you are lacking at the most. And I know for me, it's selling myself and like trying to get that money up. I'm just, I'm horrible at that. So having my manager do that and be amazing at that is so key. Not your average Joe, takeaway number four. I heard this the other day from one of my mentors. He said his father gave him a piece of wisdom that has stuck with him for his entire life. And this man's very successful, so this one's good. His father said, 99% of the time, people will want to work with you because they like you. And I really think that's true. I mean, you have to be good at what you do, but if you're hiring a manager, a lawyer, an accountant, an agent, you wanna like that person because that's how a relationship is gonna propel forward and everyone will win. So the moral of the story here is be a great person, you will attract great people and your career opportunities will just continue to flourish. And when things don't feel right, nip it in the bud as fast as possible. Because if you have an inkling that something is a little bit off in the relationship, that is your gut trying to save you from a lot of time and hopefully not, but most likely money wasted. Which, you know, the brand deals are a huge part of the finances and your manager is pitching you for brand deals and opportunities, but what is the financial breakdown? If you were to say a percentage of how you're making your income, mm -hmm. what does it look like? Because that could also change year to year and how the industry is moving. Yeah, definitely. Um, the majority of my income is through brand deals. I really don't like relying on any money from YouTube because it's so extremely fickle. And I've also noticed on YouTube that if uh, a few videos do really well, the rate that I get per ad on video will just plummet. They see that happening and they're like, oh, we're gonna have to pay her more. It's been a weird thing I've seen over the past year or so where I'll make more money sometimes on a month where I get way less views. I, I don't know, it's so bizarre. So I would say about probably 80, maybe even to 90% of my income is via brand deals. And those are on all different types of platforms. And then the other... 10 to 20, dependent on what month it is, is from other avenues of YouTube ads, um, podcasts, stuff like that. But most of my work is through brand deals. And I've noticed that brands are kind of finally getting it. They're understanding the value of a content creator. I remember I did a panel once talking to brands about how to be better partners. And someone asked why so many influencers are not up for doing like a, not a pro bono test run, but like for product or for way lower than what they're worth. Cause they were like, we want to you to prove your return rate, which I get, I get that fear, but you have to think that you're not going to go to a producer. You're not going to go to an ad agency. You're not going to go to a network and go, 
can you guys do this ad prove that we're going to get sales from it? It, it might not be me. It might be your product sucks. I don't know. It's not the person creating its fault all the time. If there's not a great return, maybe it didn't track right, but also publishing it on my channel is just one part. We are scripting it. We're writing it. We're filming it. If they would do that through an agency or through another team, it'd be hundreds of people. You'd have to pay each one of those people just to produce and create the work. And then we are sharing it with our group of people who we know are going to like this ad. If, if you're a smart content creator and you're picking stuff that's in line with you and your audience, it's mm-hmm. the most targeted ads ever. And I think brands are finally waking up to that and even paying like, um, micro creators, which is amazing that they're like, Oh, your audience might be a thousand people and they're mainly your friends, but you create beautiful work for us that we then can share on our platforms. And I think that's why the money with brands and creating content is skyrocketing this last, even just since the pandemic, especially they couldn't hire big production companies. Everything was shut down. So they turned to influencers where it feels more intimate and they can create such high quality personal content around their product. So I think if, if you are getting into content creating, go to brands, reach out to brands. If you have a manager, make sure they're hustling and reaching out to people because that's less fickle as well. You can create content for brands on any platform. If YouTube, TikTok, Instagram shuts down tomorrow, you can adapt and you can create that on other platforms that are inevitably always going to exist. Wow. She's a (laughs) co-professor. This is why you're one of my favorite people uh, to just have conversations with because it's really a business and it's like, we're both passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So there's the business side of we're business women. We're looking at these contracts. Our managers are helping us. We're saying yes to X, Y, and Z deliverables. What do you feel when you post branded content? Because I also have an interesting relationship with it. Like on one side, the business side of me, I'm like, I actually love building content for brands. I think it's one of the funnest parts Mm -hmm. of my job because it's like a puzzle. It's like, here's this wine company. I work with Silk and Spice and it's delicious wine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I drink it whether or not there's a camera and an Instagram (laughs) post that's going to follow. And they're Portuguese, which is cool because I'm Portuguese and I'm like, okay, yeah, we align their, their slogan is like born to discover. It's meant to be discovered. And I'm like, yeah, it's like all about travel, whatever. It's so in line with you. And then I post it. It's super in line with me. Not only that, but I love the conversation with the agency where we're like, okay, what are the goals of the Mm. brand? The brand wants visibility because they're launching their first wine label for the US market. And I'm like, perfect. Okay, so it's a Portuguese wine company, but they're launching in the US. I'm like, I geek out (laughs) over this stuff. Then they're like, okay, we want to do, we want to like just get visibility on Instagram. I'm like, great, here's what I propose. So then I'm excited because I'm creating different Mm -hmm. concepts. They approve one. I shoot it, I post it, and it gets super high engagement, people dig it, and then and then they come back mm-hmm. for more. And then I do another campaign with them where they're like, Joe, we want to do another campaign. What do you want? I'm like, I want to give somebody a free trip. Like, I want to give somebody what I would love to receive. And this is when I'm like, wow, this brand really mm-hmm. gets it. They are letting me be creative, letting me take control, and it yeah. works. And they're excited about the outcome, which is amazing. But then there are always those people that are like, why is all of your stuff ads? And it just so happened that December, this is talk about spiky lifestyle. I make like 
it depends how it is, but like I would say 70 or 60% of my money comes from brand deals. And then the other percentage is hosting, Mm -hmm. hosting shows or hosting content on other people's platforms, which is super cool that I was able to really diversify that skill set because it's like, I don't necessarily need to rely on brand deals, but they're way better paid, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't realize. Mm -hmm. And because they're paying not just for you to make an ad, but they're paying for 10 years of you making your content and building your audience and your expertise. So anyways, December was so rough because last year it was actually amazing. Financially was the best month ever, but it was the kind of year where like, I got four deals in January, like four big deals in January of the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. Then maybe like one in February, maybe two in March, maybe one in April, and then summertime, like Crickets. maybe one deal in three months. Summer's always three off. months with one deal. Mm-hmm. Then in the fall, it's like one deal. And then maybe like another month goes by and I'm like crickets again. <laughs> and then in December, Cami, I swear to you, it was like seven yes. deals. And then I like I made my income in one mm-hmm. month again, mm-hmm. like I doubled what I had made the whole year in one month, but then what, what it looks like on your feed, it's like a spam yeah. which sucks because I'm like, people are like, Oh my God, it's all ads. And I'm like, yeah, but have you gotten an ad for me in the last seven months? Mm-hmm. No, but they don't care. Has my bank account. <laughs> like literally it's like, so what do you feel about that? Yeah. I, I think that is such a struggle for most people. Brands are like gung ho Q1. They have their big budgets. They're ready to go. And then they're like, Oh, and they try to spread it out all year. And then they're like, Oh, wait, we have so much money to give up. Let's jump into the holiday season. A hundred percent. I always notice that January and December are nutty. Um, I really work to get long-term brand deals. Uh, That's always the goal. I mean, I think for most people, that's like the dream, but working towards that is always the best because then people expect it. They associate that brand with you. It feels more organic, but I think at the top of that, you hit the nail on the head. It's like a little puzzle piece. It's so fun to fall in love with a brand or product or chase them and seek them out because you love the product so much. And then finding a way to make it personal to your audience you know, I think audiences are really smart. They really get it. I think they're starting to be like, get that money. We love to see it and are excited. Um, as long as they feel like it adds value to them. I wish people understood that you are creating all of this content all year for free. It's all for free to them. They don't have to pay a dime. If they have to see five posts back to back that you got paid for that are still beautiful, high quality, incredible, helpful content, throw it a like and keep scrolling. Like it's not that big of a deal. I wish people would chill out a little bit because we do work really hard to create free entertainment out of our lives. And yeah, it's, it's a stigma that upsets me when people get bummed out that you're doing a bunch of ads, but I think people are coming around, they're getting it, they're accepting it, but I, I really do try to spread stuff out that at least there's an organic post in between every ad at the very, yeah, in between every ad at the very least, but like on YouTube, like you wouldn't expect to watch a show without an ad. So if, I, if you've been listening to me talk about a minute of one ad, deal with it or fast forward it. It's like you can Absolutely. skip it. Know, right? 
that's totally the right analogy. I always think about the model of TV. Mm-hmm. So like being the media professor, uh, a little history <laughs> on media. So in the beginning, media essentially was just created to be bread between the ad sandwich, mm-hmm. right? Like TV shows are essentially just the buns. Mm-hmm. And then inside of that, it's like the money, it's the meat. And so when we watch TV in, in the traditional sense, like we're getting served ads, nobody cares about commercials. People just accept it. And in fact, they like, they go to the kitchen and grab a sandwich, mm-hmm. talking about sandwiches. They like make a sandwich during commercial breaks, right? It became a part of the viewing experience. No one got upset at Full House because there were commercials yeah. in between the 20 minute episodes. Then there was the subscription model when HBO came out and it's like ad free viewing. How insane is that? It's like you're paying a subscription monthly Mm -hmm. so you can watch racy content with nudity, like boobies are out because there are no advertisers to please. Mm -hmm. Then you see the subscription model with Netflix, same thing, no ads, but then you see the hybrid Hulu, you pay a subscription, but you pay cheaper if you watch the ads. Mm -hmm. Then you have the influencer marketing industry, which is insane because it's like, people don't want either subscription models. Yeah. And, and people don't want to watch brand deals, Mm -hmm. which are essentially the commercials, but we're the ones delivering the ads. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of freaky to think like, imagine if you're watching a TV show and like the main character just stops in the middle of the show and starts talking about a toothpaste <laughs> brand. It's like, I guess they were doing that passively with product placement. Yeah. But in our world, I think it's so much more challenging because it's you, it's your voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are putting your voice and your face and your thoughts and creativity backing this brand. So it's like, it should have higher value financially because it's if we're putting our face and value on it like we're taking a risk Mm -hmm. a bigger risk than an actor on a show that has commercials in between is taking yeah yeah and I think you're totally right with the different types of mediums that we just accept like podcast ads no one bats an eye at that because they're used to hearing it they're used to listening to the radio and in between there are ads it's comfortable for them but I think with social media like in Instagram or TikTok or even YouTube. YouTube, it's a little bit more acceptable. People don't want to think you are creating to make money. They don't want to think that like that is at all a motive. And not that it's like the motive, but in order to continue to do it and have time to do it, you have to make money. But instantly it makes people, I think, not not trust creators. It's like, oh, you're not just, this isn't just you. You're not just sharing it for fun. But yeah, there's this disconnect where we don't see it as the career. And that takes it back to like not wanting to introduce myself as an influencer because people don't see it as a career. And because they don't see it as a career, they don't accept you making money off of it. And they get annoyed whenever it's a brand deal. It's really funny. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed at all, but on podcasts, no one cares. You could do 18 no ads that roll before the episode and everyone's like, yeah, Okay part of the process I know and then you do like one branded reel and it's like are you just gonna do this for them I'm like oh my god but every day you wake up and you create and you Mm -hmm. make someone's day and it's like you do it for you but you do it for them and it's it is a career it's a straight up career it upsets me too because I I do find that stigma is is not okay Mm -hmm. because everything else 
has its ads. Yeah. It's just going to take time though, because like it, Instagram wasn't created as a produced or it wasn't that kind of entertainment. It was personal for everyday people to share stuff. And some people saw it. So we are then trying to take this model that was like, you're walking down the street, talking to someone. They're not all of a sudden going to go, Hey, have you tried this toothpaste? (laughs) Use my code. So it it was a very personal thing. And now we're trying to rewire our brains and switch it from these personal interactions to entertainment. That is a career. Like I get why people feel this way. It's frustrating and I don't like it. And it's not fun. People are like, "Mm, brand, but I get it. I get that logic. And I, I totally understand. And I don't think it's people's fault it's just what we're used to I get it too it's true it's like I was listening to a podcast today about the metaverse and it's like the metaverses wow. right and it's gonna freak me oh out oh my god basically we're already living in it right like zoom calls I think I thought about Joe club my journaling club I'm like I created a yeah we're 50 percent in it right now I think it's the statistic completely it's like the fact that I can meet with somebody from Kazakhstan France and Brazil and Jordan and like a bunch of other countries every other Sunday and talk about mm-hmm. journaling and do the same activity together. That's a little mini metaverse. But so anyways, the podcast I was mm-hmm. listening to on the daily today was talking about how people are afraid that the metaverse, AKA this virtual reality that we're all kind of socially going to go on. It's right mm-hmm. now going to be controlled by the big brands, right? Like the Facebook, which is now called meta of the world. Then it like, Nike's going to create a store and then Walmart's going to have a presence. So it's like, they're worried that while you're wearing your VR head, like goggles or whatever, you're sipping a coffee in Paris, that somebody's going to pop up and give you an ad in the metaverse. So it's like, yes, that's probably going to happen. All of this, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's scary. It's, it's also prosperous, but it's like, how do you do it with integrity? How do you Mm -hmm. see the next 10 years of your life? Like we're both the same age. I'm I'm hitting club 30 soon. And so excited for you. Thanks. (laughs) I'll be in great company. (laughs) And there is a big difference between doing this in your twenties and now going Mm -hmm. into the next decade of your life. What does that look like for Mm -hmm. you as far as like what your ideal setup would be? Let's manifest it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, so much of our lives is online that I always used to be afraid of that in my early to mid twenties. I'm like, I can't do this career forever. This is for, this is for children. Like I can't be on the internet sharing my life. But I think over these last couple of years, especially because of COVID and everyone living their life online in some sense, whether it's zoom calls with your company or you're shopping online, we all our life online matters so much more in our day-to-day, not just in this career, that it is more plausible for us to continue to do this for a really long time. I think if you would have asked me that question maybe a year ago, I would say, I want to take my face out of it. I want to create a business that is separate from me, but that I get to run. And now I think I'm kind of reaching a point where I've accepted that the reason I am successful online is because I share my personal self. So I'm really leaning back into that. Like I see the next 10 years continuing to share my insight on getting married, starting a family, how we're going to end up having babies as a gay couple and just sharing like myself growing up. I think 
I thought at 30, it would be like, well, I don't have anything else to share. I'm an adult now, got it all figured out and quickly learned that's not how life works. I think I'm my whole process online and why people care to follow me at all is sharing the ups and downs of life. So I just, I do see myself continuing to do that in different ways. Um, hopefully a little easier. People will accept it more because they're used to it. We're doing so much stuff online. I think a lot will good will come from that. I'm so scared of it. I'm like the fact that in, I think they said like in five years, we're supposed to be 70 to 75% living online and like our on life matters more than in person, which is like- it's, I genuinely think that that's like, it's already happening. You know, you hear the word metaverse and you're like, oh my God, that's so far away. But it's like, then I thought about Joe club mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, yeah. holy shit. I'm like, not only contributing it, but helping to shape the, the, the habit of meeting people online yeah. from all over the world. It's like, yes, it's very low quality webcam right now, but the concept is the same. Yeah. And that's powerful too. Cause you're connected with people that you, most people would never even get a chance to have a conversation with someone from a different walk of life. And now we're able to, but then it freaks me out where I'm like, who's governing this exactly now that we're all connected and it's not about your physical location, who's controlling exactly this <laughs> and that's where the question mark is going to be and how is that going to change mm-hmm. not only our day-to-day but our our career opportunities are what it what it looks like it's crazy that we yeah. live like we are in a career that we really don't know what it's going to look like because tiktok yeah. was not around five years ago short form video no one gave a shit about and mm-hmm. everyone was doing these like docu-style cinematic videos on youtube And now it's like Mm -hmm. TikTok is the way to hit. Now it's Instagram reels. And then they're going to roll out all of these different features on all of these different apps. And it genuinely changes our day to day. Like I didn't used to wake up and think, what short form video am I going to make? That's something that I'm thinking about now. And I'm even like, maybe I'll assign like Wednesdays as my like TikTok days where I just create like five TikTok videos. And then who knows what that'll ripple into but it's really crazy it's like yeah you can't really over plan you like really have to be adaptable very quickly which I guess is definitely the career for people like us because we don't necessarily follow rules too well like I can't imagine (laughs) going to an office and sticking to the same routine or like having someone to report to and that is at the end of the day why we stick to the spiky lifestyle of the ups and downs it's because yeah we want we live for the fear. We want a little adventure. <laughs> it's like, I would say freedom, yeah. but I, I can't necessarily describe it as that either because it's, it's freeing yeah. in a way, but then not in another way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're just masochists and we like love the pain and the thrill of the unknown, but yeah, there like it is free, but it's absolutely not. Yeah. That's, I never really thought about that. Cause I, if, if I just said like, oh yeah, I have a ton of freedom. I kind of do whatever I want. Then I'm like, mm, but I'm also subject to following all of these trends and online rules and what works and what doesn't. So there's kind of no freedom in that as well. I don't know. It's nuts. what a mess. Why do we do this? Dude, Why do we love this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's crazy when I see that my, you know, I have, I have a two-year-old nephew, a three-year-old niece and a nine-year-old nephew. My mm-hmm two-year-old nephew is just now picking up the iPad 
and like learning what his favorite shows are blippy is like what's hot <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that's a youtube channel of like you know how we grew up with blues God. clues and all those tv shows like yeah. they're completely hooked on whatever's on on youtube my niece and they work the ipad better than the parents absolutely oh my god i was at my brother's house and we were trying to put something on the tv like stream it on the tv and I'm like, yeah. where's the button? Like the airplay button. I, I think I saw it somewhere. Is that even the button? And he's like, dude, my daughter, she's three years old. She does this shit all the time. I can't believe it's taking two of us to do it. And I'm like, dude, how does she know? So anyways. They're just born with it. They didn't have to learn it's it. It's crazy. So second nature, the, the toys that I got her for Christmas, I didn't even know this. I'm like shopping at TJ Maxx for all of these little girl toy, uh, toys and dolls and <laughs> stuff. And she starts unwrapping it. And her mom is like, look, it's blah, blah, blah from the YouTube channel. And I'm like, oh my God, right? So it's like, once again, getting served the ads or whatever it is, it was like an unboxing <laughs> channel that the, the kids love. <laughs> then my nine-year-old nephew, he's always asking to be on my channel or to be a YouTuber. Or I was oh talking God, about my yeah. ads, get this. I'm like, I felt like shit because I was posting so many ads. I'm like, oh my God, like, I swear I'm a good person, but like, this is just the season. <laughs> and I was talking to my siblings about it at Christmas and my nephew's like, Chichia, I'll be in your ads. I, will that make it better? Will that increase engagement? Like, I would love to be. And I'm Stop. like, oh my God, like, what is the world that we're about to enter? Smart kid, though. Love my nephew. Like, Donnie. No one can resist this cute face. With the fact that he not only knows what I'm talking about, which, you know, I thought it was like adult yeah. conversation, but he knows how yeah, to like, you're like right over remedy head. it. He's like, yeah, well, it'll increase your engagement and then people will love it and comment it. Mind blowing. I can't decide if that's the scariest or cutest thing I've ever heard. Maybe somewhere in between. It's definitely both. So I guess the future is going to be a lot more influencers, creators, a lot more moguls, mm -hmm. a lot of young people with a lot of money. And I just yeah. hope that they stumble upon a podcast like this or just like resources to know how to deal with that level of not only recognition, fame, financial mm -hmm. success, because it is, it can be taxing on the mental health because you're mm -hmm. selling yeah. you. Yeah, there needs to be way more support of how to handle this in everyday life and any career mentally. Um, I, I think it's so silly that we go for like yearly physical checkups, but not yearly mental checkups. Uh, we don't we don't fix the fix it until it is a problem. And I'm hoping that with these new generations having more all this stuff going on, constantly having other people's opinions, it is taxing. So I think that's something we have to, it's so critical that we focus on the mental health side of it, or this, this is all going to be bad. There's so much good in this and it, there, it's not black and white. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. But if we don't focus on the mental health side of it, it's all going to be bad. <laughs> I know. I think part of that to me is having conversations like this with friends or, you know, yeah. virtual water cooler conversations, because <laughs> if you think about a traditional workplace, what keeps people going 
when times are tough, it's mm-hmm. the friendships that they make in the office. It's like their coworker yeah. that makes them laugh. And we don't have that. We didn't even talk about the fact that we work alone 24 yeah, seven. Yeah. Everyone finally experienced what we've been experiencing for years over COVID being like, I can't wait to get back in an office. I need people. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to my world. I would love coworkers. Yeah. Well, for me, it was like, oh, so now you're going to be digital nomads. I've been doing this for 10 years. Like, <laughs> and, you're like well, welcome. and everyone is experiencing the highs and lows of that too. Cause it's like, total yeah. freedom but lack of schedule it's definitely something to navigate but totally. we should do like um like a weekly zoom call where anyone can jump on where we're just working like mics off whatever keep camera on if you want it not if you don't and then if you have a question for someone like chat them be like hey want to go in a breakout room and like chat about this really quick pop back in like a, just a virtual we work metaverse <laughs> it's a metaverse <laughs> Dude, I know. I'm like scared of the metaverse. I'm like, let's do more. (laughs) So I actually have that for Joe Club. I call it things I'd rather be doing. And it's Fridays. Okay. (laughs) Well, we should start one for creators. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. It would just be nice to just have some camaraderie because I also think people try to make it this competitive career where it doesn't need to be. There are so many people consuming content online. There's plenty of views for everybody. But for some reason with our career, people want to make it like we can't get along. There, This world ain't big enough for the two of us. And it's more than big enough. So I think we need to take away that competitive nature that I don't even think it really exists. It's more of just like a stigma other people put on. Um, but I think we need to remove that and become comrades more. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. It's like that bonding, mm-hmm. the, the coworkers union for the influencer creators. Are you offended when someone calls you an influencer? Not offended. No, but I do notice myself kind of clam up. I talk down about my career to other people all the time. I'm not embarrassed. I'm so proud of it. I think I'm a fucking badass. but whenever people ask what I do, because I, I preemptively assume that they're going to judge me. I kind of like pick at myself first, which I need to stop doing. It's a very bad habit, but yeah, I'm not offended by it, but I'm offended by the connotation others have of it. How would you introduce yourself if you're in a business meeting and you're not in an Uber or something? Yeah, (laughs) not a editor today. Um, I say I'm online content creator, but then it turns into this big thing where people think I create content for like, I work at a company. Like they, for some reason, there's less value in the fact that I do this all by myself because I'm not like working at Nordstrom and running their socials. They're like, Oh wait, what you do that for yourself? What do you share? And there's kind of like, why do people care about your life? Um, I hate the conversation that comes after, but yeah, I just say I create content online. And then it's like, people probably think I just like run an OnlyFans, but let them think, let them be confused. Dude, when I posted the video about how I bought my house, people are like, yeah, OnlyFans is really paying women good. I'm like, <laughs> bitch, I should have started an OnlyFans. I would have paid this so much faster. Yeah, you you're know? like, my house would be 10 times this size and no hate on anyone <laughs> yeah. who does OnlyFans. Not the type of content I'm oh making, but if it was, I'd have a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a wild world that we live in. I always like to wrap up by asking, what would you give as a piece of advice to someone going into this career or someone who's in it and they're just starting out or even somebody who's been in the game? What is the best advice you have to make the average Joe a little less average? I would say, remember your why. Always know what you are striving for. I think we get lost in the shuffle of 
following trends and following what other people want, check in with yourself, whether that be yearly, monthly, weekly, and ask yourself why. Why am I creating what I'm creating? And is what I'm creating falling in line with that why? I think it's the best way to stay true to yourself. You have to check in. It's so easy to get lost. Oh, what's your why? Um, My why is making people feel less alone, making people feel like they are exactly who they are meant to be in the moment they are and accepting that. It's always great to want to work on yourself, but just being happy where you are at right now, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, yeah. I just want to make people feel good. And that's rooted in your journey. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I want to be what like I needed from other people. Um, yeah. I think I just want to like fulfill what I wish I had. Brilliant. Oh my God. I love you so much. I'm so happy to know you. I love you. I, I always just feel on like a high after talking to you. I feel like creatively driven. I feel we talk about all the like woes and the negatives of this career, but after talking to you, I still feel like reinvigorated and excited and like, yeah, it's scary, but it's thrilling. Um, yeah, I think you are like the most inspiring content creator. And I, I love that I get to know the behind the scenes and all the things that you have been through. You're the best. I love you. You're the best. (laughs) I love you. Oh my God. I want to hang out forever. (laughs) And that is it for today. My not average Joes all around the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope you learned a little bit about content creation, the influencer marketing industry, and overall are with me when I say nobody really knows what's going on. We're making history and I'm excited to be a part of it. Don't forget to check out all of Cami's amazing content on her YouTube channel and her Instagram. She's just a gem of a human being. Her content is great. And if you need some skincare tips, she's your girl. I'll link all of her info in the show notes. If you like the show, if you learned something new, please rate the show five stars. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a review and I'm reading all of them. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you in advance. I can't really tell what you're feeling about the content because there are no comment sections on podcasts, but you can follow the Not Your Average Joe pod Instagram account and interact with us there because we're posting behind the scenes clips. I've been getting questions on how to see the visual version of the podcast. I am getting around to it. Speaking of influencer marketing, I'm trying to get a better rhythm of posting content consistently. So I'm dropping podcasts every Wednesday. That's been going strong, but I've just added proper YouTube videos into my content mix, which are dropping every Sunday. I'm super proud of the video that I posted last Sunday. So if you're listening and you want to go and watch it, please send some love. Say you came from the Not Your Average Joe family. Would love to see it. But once I get a rhythm of podcast and YouTube videos, then I'll add in the video version of this podcast dropping on my YouTube channel on Wednesdays as well. Pray for me. I'm trying to get everything up and running by the summertime. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at joe underscore franco. Right now I'm spamming everyone with 21 day language challenge content, but that is almost over. If you'd like to find out more about my language projects coming up, sign up for the newsletter list in the show notes. That's where I will be sharing all of the things that I'm building because you know I can't stop. And if you'd like to journal with me, join Joe Club. That's a flourishing community of global journalers. And I think that's it. Um, thanks, you guys. Cheers to discovering what becomes of my career together. <laughs> Hope you guys have a beautiful, above-average week and invest in yourself. Because if you don't, no one else will. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.